What's up then, listeners? Welcome to another episode of the Midge and the Keg NFL podcast. Host as usual, Billy. Alongside me, my co-host, the Keg. What's up, everyone? How's it going? And we do have Johnny for our Philadelphia Eagles episode today. How are we doing, Johnny? I'm doing real well. Can't complain. Good, good, good. Uh, what we'll do, Johnny, so um, I'll allow you to... Um, express your socials and everything else i'll let you go ahead with all the page with the philadelphia page and everything so i'll let you go right ahead with that one yeah so uh johnny Uleka from all about the birds uh you can follow us on twitter uh instagram facebook at aat birds um you can follow myself at johnny u 9322 um and we're just you know eagles based but you know we, we we cover it all um we do a number of different shows we do draft shows so uh, definitely check us out. Um, you know, we're we're covering it all basically, and the Eagles are our main thing. And unfortunately, it wasn't the greatest season, but hey, we're we're here. We're here to cover it, no matter if they're they're winning or losing. That's that's what we do. Awesome stuff, Johnny. Good, good, good. Uh, what I'll do, guys, I'll make sure I uh, put Johnny's links to all of the birds uh, in the links for the episodes when we release. So um, we'll get right to it, Johnny. Um, obviously, like you said, just expressed, uh, just uh, put upon there that, you know, a bit of a disappointing year, obviously, a bit of controversy as well, a little bit, but obviously finishing 4-11-1, you know, nothing, obviously, to be fair, even before the start of the season, I wasn't expecting that type of record from you guys, obviously. Injuries to the offensive line didn't help, you know, I know, you know, the whole situation, everyone's around the whole court. Wentz wasn't doing great, and obviously he had a bit of a big decline, but obviously the offensive line wasn't healthy. Um, I'm not making excuses for him, but obviously you had that was quite a big of a major uh, thing that happened to you guys last year. Def- you know, rankings at all, I think you're ranked uh, about 21st in total offense and 19th in defense, so fairly in the middle and stuff. I mean, how did you see it playing out? Obviously, you didn't get into the... Um, you had obviously that controversial thing with the last game of the year. You know, you had Doug Pedersen fired at the end of the year, so it's not... Getting to the point of it, it wasn't really the, the greatest of years for you guys, unfortunately. No, and it, it was tough because, yeah, the offensive line struggled. You know, Carson Wentz struggled, kind of regressed in what you thought he was going to take that next step, take that extra step. He got that big uh, contract, which, you know, we'll touch a little bit later in this when we get into it. But he got, a, he got the big contract, and it's just you thought, yeah, the, the injuries aspect really hurt them. So whether it was basically on the offensive line, on the defense, really all over. And the depth of the team just wasn't there. And you, you know, having to go through your practice squad and go through these on-the-street free agents and not, not getting the – basically the biggest thing is not getting the, the production out of your draft class, especially the last couple of draft classes. And it, it struggled. It was just a downward spiral like – they're beating themselves, and, and that was the toughest part. It's, it's not the fact that, oh, this team's better than us and everything. It, it's probably, you know, the penalties and just the mistakes and the turnovers and, you know, constantly beating yourself. You're going to lose football games. You're 4-11-1 in, in the statistically worst division in I don't know how many years. The division was awful, and you couldn't muster up enough wins to make it to the playoffs with the roster that you had. And it was constructed mostly, it was constructed the same as it was the last couple of years. There was here and there a little bit of add-ins and takeaways, but for them to go 4-11-1 and, 
ultimately, yeah, Doug Peterson gets fired. The offense just was not clicking. And you saw that the last couple of years, unfortunately. And they were able to make these type of miraculous runs, but 2018, they were able to do it. 2019, they were able to do it. It doesn't, you can't keep doing that year in and year out. Eventually, you're going to be 4 11 and 1. You're not going to be what you expect to be a playoff. Yeah, I think you you know you touched upon the the draft class there. Like the last couple of years hasn't really worked out for you. And I think you know they're the cheaper contracts that you have there. You need them guys to perform, you know, to build around them. And obviously, that doesn't bode great for the future if if your sort of current draft crop isn't you know performing particularly well. I mean, was there sort of any positives to take out of last season? Well, they you know the draft class, the, the young talent. And, you know, we talked about it on our show, and I mentioned it, you know, a number of times is to be able to be successful, you need these younger guys, these younger, like you said, these cheaper contracts to be able to produce, to be able to give you that production because these aging guys are not going to be on the roster because their salary, their salary hits, their cap, their cap hits are going to be higher and you're not going to be able to pay tons of veterans. It, it just, it doesn't work. And that's, that's a major thing that I've, I've said. It was development of talent. We had no development of talent, and that's what got you in a situation that you were in. You try to get these veteran guys, and it's going in free agency does not work out all the time. You hit gold in 2017 by getting every free agency you got basically produced for you, and you were able to strike lightning in a bottle and get a Super Bowl championship. So yeah. it doesn't happen every year. And unfortunately, it hasn't happened in the last couple of years with the, the free agent pickup and the draft production not being up to par what you expect. Delay of game. Five-yard penalty. Yeah, I mean, if we just move on to the, the cap then for next year, I mean, obviously with the Wentz trade, you've, it's put you in quite a difficult position. I mean, you're currently sort of 43 million in the red, um, you know, if the cap does drop to the expected sort of 180 million. I mean, looking down, you know, your current roster, I don't really see sort of much areas to sort of produce uh, cap casualties, really. I mean, Derek Bardi, I know he's a, he's a good player for you, but I mean, he's sort of the easiest one. I mean, do you think it's just a case of restructuring a lot of these players more than... Yeah, you know, this is one thing that, like, on our show, I, I love, you know, looking at the numbers, crunching the numbers, looking at different scenarios and stuff. I, I love the cap. I love this kind of, um, you know, this website over the cap. It's great with, with the breakdowns and everything like that. But if you really look at their their uh, structure. Now, we don't know what the exact salary cap number is going to be. Hopefully, we know by the end of this week kind of what the final number. Right now, the floor is 180. So, it brings you to about like 43 million, a little over $43 million over the cap. So, Zach Ertz is most likely not going to return. He's going to be released or traded. Saves you a little bit there. You're What you're going to see, you may see a veteran like a, in all uh, like a Brandon Graham possibly restructure and is traded unless you find a, a taker for Derek Barnett there. I know there's been some, you know, some, some rumblings about possibly, you know, his aging, his trade interest, trade market. Um, I'm not so sure. You can always extend him, lower the cap hit, yep. which will also save you some money as well. You know, he's, he's young, he's 24 years old. You need this use to build around. Yes. He's not, you know, getting double-digit sacks a year, but he's a productive player. And, you know, Jason Kelsey, I, to me, I feel like this is maybe the time where he retires, which 
He retires and puts his paperwork in after June 1st. You get that money. Yep. Alshon Jeffrey, Malik Jackson are both June 1st cuts. You know, there's Mar- Marquise Goodwin. Um, they talking about possibly lowering his cap hit. If not, you get rid of him at $4 million. But the thing I was going to, you know, touch on here is what you're going to see is and what a lot of fans are, you know, clamoring about and that they don't like to see is the restructuring and, you know, moving money down the road. But Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson, Darius Slay, Hargrave, Brooks, the thing is, you're going to see that because that's going to open up the, the most money. And with them just signing that new deal, I'm not sure if you guys saw it with Disney. Uh, they just inked a new deal. I think it was like $2.6 billion um, per year for the, you know, the, the Disney. And, you know, they're adding that 17th game, which is all revenue. It's all money, which means the future years, the cap is going to shoot way up. Yeah, now, obviously they had, the, they had the playoff game as well last year that was expected to which a lot of teams yeah. plan for. I think that's why a lot of teams are in such a bad position now after COVID hit, because they plan for that extra revenue. Exactly. And you see with a, you see with a, with a bunch of, you know, teams and you are no different. They, you know, they move money down the road and unfortunately, you know, it bit them hard because they weren't expecting the cap to be this mm. low. So with this, you move these guys, some of these guys, you, you know, you restructure, but then if the cap is better the next couple of years, you'll be fine because right now, if they even restructure, you know, say three or four of these guys, they restructure, they're still going to have upwards of 60 to possibly 70, $80 million in cap space next year. So it looks, it looks like a really bleak cap situation. They're in cap yeah. hell. It looks really, really, you know, dire and, you know, very stressful to look at and be like, you can't do anything if you have, this. but it, it really isn't as bad as people make it out to be basically. Yeah. I mean, we, we try to cover every team and obviously we've we've already covered the Saints who are, you know, in a much worse situation. And we're looking at their team, like we're trying to work out of cutting players, even, you know, post-June and that. And you literally are going to have to restructure anyone they want to keep at the top end of their contract. They've got to restructure and move it down the line and just hope that we get back to normality and the cap rises in the, in the next couple of years. Yeah, but like, so what some people say is, oh, just trade this guy, trade this guy, trade this guy. People don't understand the cap ramifications. You can't just trade a player. Like, like a player like mm. Fletcher Cox, uh, a player like Lane Johnson, um, a player like Darius Slay. You can't just trade him now because you actually owe money. Mm. So yeah. if, if you want to try and just trade these guys now, the problem is you're going to add more negative money to that cap. Yeah. You have yeah. to trade them after being first. And then when you do that after June 1st, the free agency most likely is done. You're into the bottom, not the bottom of the bill, but you're into the, the next the second and third round of free agency where you're not really mm-hmm. getting the top players. You're getting the middle, the mediocre, the middle guys, the, the guys who are, you know, the one-year deals here and there um, trying to, you know, resurrect their career. That's the other thing that a lot of people don't understand, you know, with, with the, when it comes to cap and just trying to trade everybody right away. It's not yeah. as simple. It's a little bit of a unique and um, basically mathematical equations that have to go in terms of uh, the June 1st area. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're Falcons fans and we've been ripping our air out when we're looking at people saying, trade Matt Ryan, trade Hurley Jones. We're going, it's not helping us. We've got too much guaranteed money on them. It's going to cost us, you know? And and I just exactly. think a lot of people sort of don't really understand the, the dead cat issue. And yeah, it's frustrating to read as a Falcons fan him saying, get rid of these players and it's not even going to save us money, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, oh, yeah, it's silly for, money as well, yeah. like millions of money. Sorry, Johnny, like I was just making a point. Like oh, yeah. you, you just pointed out great points, right? So like, you know, training these players are not going to 
just resolve. You know, it doesn't mean the cap vanishes into thin air. You know that. Oh yeah, that 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 just gets taken off the figure. The prime example is actually what you guys have just done. You've just traded Carson Wentz, and the cap number's astronomical. You know, like that. That's just that is why you know this is looking bl- well. Obviously, from what we've just talked about. But he was the prime example when he was a big trade. So it's like, yeah, they've, it's all well and good. They've they've traded him, but they've still got, what was it, 33 million in dead cap. Mil, you, know? Yeah. you know, and it's just like, that, some people just don't get that. That should be the prime example that people just don't get because you've just traded Carl Swenson without result. The contract's all gone, but we but the bad thing about it is we've got to pay 33 million to the guy, you know? So, you know, them, them type of contract situations are like, you know, they're the worst to deal with. But like you said, I think, like I say, if you can restructure some guys 100%, like I say, you're looking in towards <clears throat> definitely into next year's cap. And like you said, Jimbo, hopefully, knock on wood, you get some, mm. we're, we're going to get some normality, you know, and that they'll be able to do something. Obviously, you have the extra um, obviously the extra playoff game and the extra regular season game. And hopefully, we'll get a bit more of a balance out of it. But, I mean, other than that, like, people just got to understand, like like you said, you just can't, it, it doesn't just disappear. Like, as well, it, it looks easy to do. But there's a lot more to it. And, you know, yeah. I put it this way, I wouldn't want to, you know, I, 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 certain GMs, but I respect certain GMs because some of it's just astronomically, like like you say, tweaking it all out, mathematical equations. And I'm bad at math, so like, I wouldn't have no chance of any of this. Well, um, we, we'll go into If we move ex- on to the yeah, uh, expiring me. contracts, the sort of upcoming free agents, I haven't got a massive list compared to a lot of teams. <laughs> I mean, anyone here that you sort of want to re-sign? I mean, not fortunes to re-sign them, but... Cool. Like looking at the list of their available free agents and everything. And now yesterday, um, they, Boston Scott, Greg Ward, and Alex Singleton, they, they all were e- ERFA, so exclusive rights free agents. So they can only talk with the Eagles. So they signed those guys because those guys, they're, they're cheap. 850000 for two of them and 920000 um, for Boston Scott. You know, right there, you're, you know, you're not spending a ton of money, yet you're getting players who contributed for you to be able to build that depth on the roster. And looking at, at the rest of the free agents that are, that are basically out there, um, I, I had some, you know, back and forth on Twitter with one of my, one of my coaches. So we, we talked about Jalen Mills and for me, Jalen Mills would be a player that I would look to uh, resign. He's not going to cost you that much, especially with the safety, um, all the safeties who are free agents this year, there's a lot of top end free agent uh, safeties. So you should be able to get Jalen Mills for a reasonable number. Plus he's, he's a guy that like he fits what this new defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon likes in cornerbacks and safety and defensive backs long, um, you know, taller, longer type of, you know, type of corner slash safeties. And he played so well at the safety position, him moving that hybrid role, his numbers, shot up like if you look at like his numbers and what he did completion percentage and you know his sacks and tackles and missed tackle percentage and a lot of his numbers actually improved from the years prior so he's a guy and he's young he's not old uh, the other guy possibly Ridgeway if you can get him for cheap because he'd be a depth piece but to me you use your draft your draft pick because I really don't see anyone else on here that I would, I wouldn't read. Deshaun Jackson's already gone. Jason Peters, I would not bring back. Uh, Nate Sudfeld, that, no. Um, Roby Coleman, I don't think I'd bring him back at all. Uh, Vinny Curry as a possible, if you trade uh, Brandon Graham or get rid of Derek Barnett, maybe at the end of free agency. Otherwise, to me, 
I would go with Jalen Mills, maybe Cravon LeBlanc or Richard Rogers. Otherwise, I'm not paying a ton of money for a punter. I know the Rashid's a restricted free agent, uh, Cam Johnston, but I'm not paying a couple million dollars a year for a punter, especially with the way your situation is. Otherwise, I I would kind of just go with maybe one or one or two of those guys on that list. I'd bring back and then just build it with the draft and see what else is out in frequency in terms of, you know, some prove it deal type of guys uh, that I would go after. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a fair assessment of the of the free agency. I mean, what sort of needs are you looking at? Like, what's your major sort of wants in the free agency market? Like, so. The way I look at free agency this year is now I, I look at the coach Sirianni. Nick Sirianni uh, came from the coming from the Colts and you know some of his coordinators are from the Chargers and Sirianni was at the Chargers too, and then Jonathan Gannon with the Colts. You know, looking looking at basically players with familiarity to these guys. Now some guys, most of them will be prove it deals, like guys like Malik Hooker, who's a safety. Um, he's been injured uh, from the Colts. Uh, He'd be a guy I'd look at. Uh, a guy like who was just released by the Raiders, uh, Tyrell Williams, played um, under Sirianni at wide receivers when he was wide receivers coach for San Diego, uh, the Chargers. Uh, he'd be another guy, you know, a low cost type of guy. Uh, I really, really like Atello Willers, uh, Atello Witherspoon from San Francisco, a long, you know, super tall cornerback that fits kind of the scheme that Jonathan Gannon is going to run. So a lot of that is what I look at. Um, possibly, you know, a linebacker, you know, maybe a Denzel Perryman, depending on his cost, because he played with, um, you know, Los Angeles, San Diego, Los Angeles, the Chargers. So there's a little familiarity there. Um, you're not going to be able to sign these super high price guys. Um, that That is the only thing that I guess, that, that I could say, you know, and maybe you look at guys who've been released, some of the older guys who, who have been released that you can go ahead and maybe get them for a little bit cheaper. But for me, it's this year is going to be, I don't want to say bargain bin, but a lot of prove it deals and possibly get guys who have just been released, you know, do a little bit of that. Uh, not super old guys. You're not getting guys in their thirties, maybe guys in the late twenties between the 27 to 29 range. But it's going to be a lot of, um, you know, patchwork here and there. Um, but the frequency is not where they're going to be super into it, most yeah. likely next year. But it's going to be a lot of the who fits, what kind of ties that they have. Um, like a, a linebacker that I would want would be Eric Wilson, who was with Minnesota. But I feel like his payday is going to be a little bit bigger because this is his first year to start. And yeah. he, you know, he really improved. And you know, he played under the Eagles' new linebackers coach, Rallis. Um, So there's a little familiarity there. So to me, a lot of the phrases are going to be guys the coaches are familiar with, which makes sense with a new coach that's coming in. You're going to bring guys that you know. Yeah, I mean, I like that idea. I mean, obviously, if the coach trusts them, you, you can't afford to sort of have busts in this free agency. You need players that the coach knows and he trusts. He knows what they're going to bring. And also, you can probably get them a little bit cheaper if there's that link there with the player and the coach. You know, they're, they're going to want to play for you. So, you know, there's a cost benefit there as well. So I think that's a, you know, that's a great way to look look at things. And, yeah, I mean, anyone there for you, Bill, that you sort of think would be a nice addition? 
I think that funny enough, touched on the good player that I actually quite like from obviously San Francisco and Witherspoon and like you know players like that that you know that are solid enough. They're in the they're in the the, uh, the correct age bracket. You know, you'd like to say you don't want someone too old, but you don't want someone that's you know sort of just coming in. You know, you you're looking at that, and it's a nice bracket to have because as well, you don't want to you know we've expressed this so much. Teams are penny pinching. You know, like you know not just not just your Eagles. Like everyone is. You know, they're going to be looking down the market to look for guys who are going to be a little bit more affordable um which is sort of like a lower risk high reward like you said it's going to be then prove it year deals it's like right we'll give you a deal but it's going to be a low one and unless you prove yourself then we'll give you a contract you know so it's sort of a case of it works out quite good in that way really you know i mean and a lot of teams are going to be doing that but i think for yourselves like let's say weatherspoon 100 i'd bring someone like that in you know to help that secondary out a little bit pass interference defense automatic first down Sort of leading off into that, we'll go into the draft. I mean, you know, you're sitting at number six. Now, there's been a few scenarios I've heard and had a look at. I mean, obviously, a lot of the ones I keep seeing is it, you're taking the best rivals, whoever it may be. I think it's, either, you know, Smith or Chase, whoever falls to you at six. I mean, I'd like to – we won't go into our mod draft yet, but I want, to, I want to hear your opinion on it. I mean, what, what would you like to see your Eagles do? Do you think a, a, a top-tier guy – at six wide receivers worth going for, or maybe doing something else? So I, I've had a lot of, you know, seeing a lot of, you know, mock drafts and I saw one come out, I think it was yesterday from CBS picking Mac Jones, a quarterback. For me, I, I don't think quarterback is going to be what the Eagles do. I know a lot of people, you know, talk about the quarterback situation with, you know, Zach Bolton and Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, all these quarterbacks. My feeling on it is at number six, if there is a team that needs a quarterback behind you that wants to trade up and you trade back, say, two to three spots and you get another third-round pick or another three and a five or three and a six and you be, you're able to get more, basically more assets to be able to take chances and draft more guys. And for me, the Eagles need 11, around 10 to 11 draft selection to make this year. So I, I really like Jamar Chase. A receiver at LSU. Um, another guy I really like, Kyle Pitt. I don't call him a tight end. I call him an athlete. Um, I do so the, the I love the draft. I love prospect scouting. I love that kind of stuff. I have my own draft show as well that we do for the AZ Bird uh, Network as well. And you know we talked about it. And I've I've been on that receiver. You know I know they need defensive back help. I know that, um, but. If there's a guy like Jamar Chase that falls to you, it's a no-brainer, I feel. You have to select him uh, to be able to put him in an offense with a, with a Jalen Hurts and to be able to give Hurts another weapon to go with, you know, the Ragers and the Goddards and the Miles Sanders. For me, it's, it's, I understand the best player available aspect of it, but my first thing, like I said, was trade back, get some more picks because this draft after the first round, you could, you know, between round two and three, you're going to be able to find there's so many quality players and quality start, you know, starting talent in this draft that the more picks you have in the top 100, the better you're going to be able to build your team. And exactly what we, what we started this out with with the Eagles needing the production from the draft class and the youth and to be able to get these building blocks. And, you know, you, 
you guys know it. You need building blocks. Your team, yep. you need younger guys. You can't rely on old guys. All that. You get these younger guys to take the steps. When these veterans leave or traded or released, you have those next guys in line to take that role on to be able to be that next leader or that next productive player at that position. So that's what I think they need to do is I would trade back and still get the best player available, but I would try to add to your plethora of picks to be yeah. able to get as much talent as possible. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, where you're sitting at six, I think if, if Justin Fields falls to six, I think someone's going to want to come up and trade in front of Carolina who are desperately trying to get a, a quarterback <laughs> at the moment. Quarterback. You know, they're, they're aggressively approaching uh, Watson. Someone's going to want to jump in front of them. And I, personally, we're sitting at four and I, we want to trade down as well. You know, we don't want to be taking... I mean, what's your thoughts on on Hurts? I mean, I think he deserves a go. I mean, I don't think quarterback is your main need at all. I, I would strongly be against you taking a quarterback, you know, personally. I think he deserves a Not in the first round, anyway. try. Not in the first round, like yeah. <laughs> so, like, like in this upcoming draft, my, one of my favourite quarterbacks is from Wake Forest, Jamie Newman. He's going to be in the middle round. Yep. Absolutely love his him as a prospect and what he brings. He's a little bit, you know, raw, like in terms of how much starting ability. But, you know, what we didn't touch on in the agency was a quarterback, a veteran quarterback, which I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to bring a guy behind Jalen Hurts, a Tyrod Taylor, a Jacoby Brissett. You know, I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick, but, you know, Alex Smith was just released. Like, like a veteran like that to be behind him. Um, my feeling with Jalen Hurts is – you know, we've talked about it on our show. We, you know, when he came in and started for Wentz after Wentz was bench, I really like what I see from him in terms of what he possibly can do for you. Now, having no OTAs and being thrown in there, and they used him as, you know, basically as a wildcat quarterback here, and they didn't, you know, use them a little bit differently than a usual rookie backup would be, you know, just learning. Um, but what I saw with him was, yeah, his completion percentage was down. And there's been plenty of top quarterbacks that have had that where the completion percentage weren't great in the first year. So that I don't take too much. Um, but he played – he came back against Arizona. He played a great game against a very tough South New Orleans defense. Now, the second half of the games weren't the best. But what you have with him is a guy that you know he's a leader. I don't – I don't like what people say his arm strength is in that, like he's not that strong of an arm. You know, at, at the combine, he measured ball speed just as fast as Justin Herbert in terms of miles per hour. So yeah. for, for you to say he doesn't have the arm strength or the speed to be able to make these throws, for, for me, he's a guy that you don't teach leadership. You don't teach intangibles. And he's got that. And you can see it. His charisma, all that, you can see that on the field. And he's super athletic. And I feel that this coaching staff, you know, will be able to work well with him and to be able to design an offense that can basically design, you know, throwing lanes for him in the way that, because you, you look at the Colts and what they did with Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers had a great year after struggling the, the previous couple seasons with LA. He comes to the Colts and he makes, you know, an offense, you know, he, he played very well, which a lot of people didn't think he was going to play well. So for me, Hurts with Sirianni and with, with Sykin and Brian Johnson, who's known him since he was, you know, three, four years old. Um, I, I don't like to give a com comparison, but if I had to compare, you know, Jalen Hurts, he has that, you know, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Bill, 
not saying he's the same player, but that build that, you know, that Dak Prescott really jumped up his first two seasons. And then after that, he really turned into a very, very good quarterback. And it's something that hurts to do as well. You don't know. And that's where a lot of people are hesitant on it. But for me, it's, let's see what he's got. You use the second round pick on, you use the 53rd overall pick on this quarterback. See what you got. You know, yeah. this is the time to do it. And I agree. I think, you know, bringing in a veteran guy, I mean, you know, there's plenty of guys here that are going to need a, need a team and you can sort of take a little bit of pressure off Hurts. He, he's not necessarily like the only guy you've got to, to run with, you know. If you can get someone cheap here, I mean, Fitzpatrick's probably a little bit out of your range because he's going to be high end backup, I think, next year, if not starter for someone who's desperate. But, you know, there's some, there's some guys that you can probably get for a million just to coach him through and takes a little bit of pressure off, compete with him for the starting job. And I like that route a lot more than drafting someone when you've got other needs, you know, early, that early on. I mean, yeah, even best case scenario for like a best player available. I mean, like you say, you're not too keen on the wide receiver, but I mean, if it comes to the case of taking the best player available and it turns out to me, someone like Jamar Chase, that's a weapon that Jalen, you know, for someone for Jalen Hurts to use, you know, so it's not like the, you know, I think the sort of a pick you're going to think of is how it is going to sort of help Hurts a little bit, whether it be a wide receiver, maybe if they trade back and look for someone a little bit, little bit more in the back. But yeah, I mean, I think there's options there at six. I think personally, like you've got picks at four with us in Atlanta, you've got six at Philly and even seven in Detroit. I think there's three massive spots in the top 10 that can, that are definitely the best trade options because of whoever will fall. Because I think it will happen. I, I've got, I think three in my first mock draft of like in the in the top ten. Like I feel like if someone is going to slide, it's well worth it. I think if you can get that, like you said, get the plethora of picks because then, like you say, you want to build that team round a hundred percent. So it just absolutely makes sense to me. I mean, I know you you were so sold on the receiver from Jimbo. You're like they need a receiver to help hurts, and I'm like it's good if if it depends who's there. But if they get phone calls. I take I, you got to listen to the phone calls, you know. Just you, you, you could get decent picks out of it, especially at six. Yeah, especially if a team trades up with you that that wants someone that knows, you know. Say a team like San Francisco wants to get ahead of Carolina to get a quarterback. You have leverage there because you could say, okay, well, I'll take your first, but I also want your second. Mm-hmm. Or they could yeah. possibly get next second round pick or something like that to be able to to build the draft capital that you need to build a team and to get younger and to try to build building blocks. And that's the, what I always, what I always want to say is you get the production and get the next guy build with the younger yep. contract. Yeah. Contract. What's your, what's your thoughts on sort of approaching the offensive line? I mean, you're quite high up in the second round, obviously there's a lot of good offensive tackles this year. I mean, obviously you had a lot of injuries in the line last year, which didn't help. I mean, is that somewhere you want to address early or? So, yeah, the, the offensive line is interesting because a guy like Jordan Mailata, who, you know, former rugby player, and they drafted him in the seventh round a few years back, and just he was injured, he wasn't playing, you know, practice squad, and then, you know, on the roster. And then the thing was, he played so well. When they, when they put him at left tackle and they let him play, he showed that he could be, you know, a very, very good, solid starting left tackle. You have Lane. Lane Johnson is coming off an injury at right tackle. Brandon Brooks, you know, Sam Alu, her big play. But you also have a guy you drafted uh, two years ago, Andre Dillon, at tackle. So, for me, it's, it's, 
it's tough unless a team wants Andre Dillo, you could try and get draft compensation for him. But if you get six and a guy like Sewell from Oregon is there, who is leaps and bounds the best offensive tackle on the you know in the draft, it, for me it's gonna be pretty hard not to pick someone like that just because you win on the offensive defensive line. You win up front. You can have a main your, you, that was your sorry throughout that was it to your formula for winning your Super Bowl. Defensive line, defensive line were outstanding, you know, that year. Like and that was what won you know, won you a title. And it's all one in the trenches. So like, yeah, I get into somewhere like that. I can exactly see where you're coming from. It's always one in the trenches. But yeah, they definitely have to draft one, maybe maybe two offensive linemen because like we saw last year, depth is absolutely key. If yeah. you don't have you know the type of depth that you need, you know, on the offensive line, you're going to struggle. And, and just just take a look at the Super Bowl. Look at a team like Tampa Bay, absolutely take over the game. That defensive line take over the game because you know Kansas City was missing a lot of key players on that offensive line. So, and, and you make a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes look average. That's why offensive line is so key, and that's why I feel the Eagles will draft one or two offensive linemen. But it definitely. That's and, and again, that's something that will help Jalen Hurts. If you have a capable offensive line, a quality offensive line of guys who are healthy, it's going to make the quarterback play so much better because he's yeah. going to be much more protected than they, than whatever quarterback was behind center last year. I think that Super Bowl just just proved it, didn't it? Just proved that you could have the best QB in the world, but if your line isn't there, he's you know he's <laughs> not useless, but he's not he's not going to win win you anything you know the line is far more important you can win things with an average well good to average QB if your line is the best in the in the league you know yeah, yeah I agree 100% on that note Johnny uh, we'll cap it off there um, but before you before we uh, send you off we'll um, we'll be doing this to every team so obviously like we've we always keep stating because we've been talking about it all the time obviously it's, it's really early you know things are still yet to be confirmed even the cap and everything else and stuff and everything going on but if you had to give a way, way too early prediction, I mean, what would you like to see? If you, if you, if you think the Eagles do the right thing, they, they're quite savvy in the draft, that, you know, they sort their cap situation out a little bit. I mean, what can you realistically see for this team? And remember, like I say, remembering, then, as you pointed out, that in a very weak division, what can you see your Eagles doing? So, the offseason, I, I think there's going to be some tough decisions made. Uh, I think there's going to be some veterans that are going to leave. So, you're going to have some younger, younger talent on here. I, I have a lot of like, like thinking about this season, I'm not going to say it's, it's a throwaway season. I know they said about, you know, building for the future and a rebuild type of thing. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be uh, that drastic, you know, three, four years, because the last, last 30 years, anytime the Eagles have switched head coaches, they've only two years. Well, the second year was the longest that they've without making the playoffs. So they don't usually do long rebuilds. So, and Jeffrey Lurie likes to spend money. So for me, this year may be a little tough. Uh, now, the division is not the strongest, so anything can happen. Uh, I'm not going to put no number or anything right now, but yeah. I think they're going to be competitive. Um, I think the coaching staff is a great young coaching staff. I think they're going to get production out of these players, and they're going to be able to um, you know, get value in the draft. They're going to be able to get guys that um, are going to be able to produce on the field. So for me, what I'm looking for is to see the production from the younger players. And that's what I'm really looking for and seeing who steps up to be those next guys for the next couple of seasons and the next 
basically the next Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I think that's I mean that's a really good point. You know, you just sort of make you just want your guys to step up, young guys to get that experience under the belt, step up, you know. And who knows, you're in a weak division, who knows you could go and win it. You know, they don't they they're not gonna need to win that many games to win this division, probably sort of eight or nine games would probably be enough. I mean, yeah, obviously the division could improve from last year. I mean, Washington have got a nice young defensive line, but realistically, it's not, you know, no team in this division is going to go and win tons of games. So I think you're right. I think it's just more about your young guys stepping up, getting picking up some nice pieces in the draft and building for the next couple of years. I think it's a good point. You touched upon Johnny, like I say, for a second year head coach coming in, like you say, it's a younger coaching staff as well that he wants to build around. And, you know, if he can if he can just get the feelers with Hertz and, you know, just see how he gets on, you know, hopefully knock on wood, you, you know, the offensive line stays healthy enough just to to at least see what the kid can do in a full season, you know. To see what he can do at, you know, as his young age, because like I say, if you're not gonna protect him whilst you've got some key players, you know, offensive line, it, it, it's just not going to work out for, for him or anyone, you know. So having him to at least have the feelers out, you know, Nick's really need to plan around him, build some, you know, in-depth guys, get get some good draft, you know, if you can get some good draft capital, sort of build that along. And then you can maybe see, you know, no matter what your record is this year, if it's a losing record, you know, or you, you end up, you know, Hurts just clicks and, you know, you end up win, winning some games. You know, you can always look for that point of, okay, They've made some good strides, you know. You just get the just get the feelers out, and then possibly push for from like next year, because like you said, it can always go into that bracket. And and if they make the right moves, it, it could be could, could could happen with the Eagles. I I completely agree with you there. And you'll um, have that so, thirty three million back next year as well from Carson yeah, yeah. Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that always helps. I mean, yeah, about talk about a cap here. I mean, all right, the contract's gone, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to be the GM right now. But anyway, thanks very much, Johnny. Really appreciate you coming on uh, and taking time to uh, talk with us. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you for having me. And I just want to uh, let everyone listen in. Uh, also follow um, all the other partners at uh, All About the Birds. Uh, at Beard of Knowledge is Bill Stifle. At Jeff Warner NFL is Jeff Warner. And then at Chip for the Birds, uh, Chip Keggy. Those are uh, all the guys that run All About the Birds. Uh, we have a great team over there. And also check out AECBirds.com. But thank you for having me. Appreciate it. No problem at all, Johnny. I'll make sure to tag every single one of those in our post, guys, so keep an eye out for that. We've also got some episodes coming up again, so keep an eye out for off-season talk. Thanks once again, guys. Stay safe. Take care. Catch you next time.